Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Goff takes, turns, fakes the give, rolls right, throws, caught, Kabinda, Enzo, touchdown Detroit Lions! There's no way he made that first down marker. It's not even close. Is there space? Let's answer the question, Bradley Rogers, between the nose of the ball and the lead stick. No! Ball over on down! Brady rolls to his right, now he throws. That's gonna be picked off by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on the far side. Read it perfectly, made the interception, and now they'll go to the Buccaneers end zone to celebrate. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour, Twin Peaks. Appetizers, uh, shareable apps. You got the uh, two, four, and six dollar special for happy hour. Also, big beers under four dollars. You hear the calls there on the way back from the Lions, the Steelers, and the Saints radio network. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. Browns have appeared to score, but there's a review on the play. We'll see if this is 10-7 or if the Browns are still trying to get into the end zone. Willie, you covered women's basketball over the weekend. You covered men's basketball over the weekend. Talking about college basketball. What what exactly unfolded with uh, Arizona, the women's program? I actually didn't get to cover women's. I was I was there too. Um, UNLV Lady Rebels were offered a chance to step in for Arizona, which had players, coaches go into COVID protocols, rising numbers, so they had to pull out of the game versus number 11, Texas. Texas was looking for an opponent. They offered money to UNLV. They offered money, I believe, to who is it they played? Pacific. Both turned it down. Reportedly, I'm not sure on the number, but it was $50,000. Lindy LaRock turned it down. They got San Diego to agree, the Toreros, at roughly 1 a.m. They flew in that morning. I saw one of the coaches who played at Gorman and actually uh, went to Oregon State, Maddie Washington. She told me that they they played that day before also. Um, And they came in. Obviously, a school like that, smaller program, that money, that's a bigger check for them and the experience. Uh, I, I'm i totally in favor and support of Lindy's decision. The Lady Rebels played a, a rigorous game on Saturday. They came back from 19 down. You got COVID positive tests running rampant in every sport, as we just talked about, to run the risk again and and come and play on back-to-back nights instead of just rest and recovery, let, the, let her players rest. Um, it makes sense. If you don't need the money, then, I mean, that's it, it, hard to say. You turn your nose up at 50000 but they don't need the money. They need the rest and recovery, so they turned down, and instead it was number 11 Texas versus uh, University of San Diego in the doubleheader. It started with the Texas men versus Stanford. So that's what took place at T-Mobile on the second day of the weekend. It was supposed, And then the first day it was supposed to be Kentucky and Ohio State, North Carolina, and UCLA. Instead, we got Kentucky, North Carolina. Number four. Someone watching ads on the show. This is unheard of. Ari's complaining about Christmas spirit, Christmas ads. What's your problem? They're, all they do is take the same songs you hear in the background right now, your standards, Silent Night, whatever else, rhymes, and they just insert their little words. I just think it's really, like, lazy 
And especially when you know, like, there's, you know, multi-million dollar agency firms doing these ads and stuff. And, like, this is what they come up with? Damn. All right. That's all. I just, uh, you know, just want to see be, a little more might creativity. Might be time for a uh, career change. 2022. What? Oh, for me? Yes. Uh, I don't know about that. Madison Avenue, Ari. Yeah, I... Uh, I always thought he, you had it in you. I, I get good ideas, but the, uh, the execution is tricky, so... I don't know about that. Number three. Raiders game is 10-7 now. Raiders have let the Browns hang around. Nick Nick Chubb finally got it going. Uh, Mark Davis was right. Competitive edge. What do you think? No. It's 10-7 now. It's got nothing to do with it. It's got nothing to do with it. They're not at a competitive edge because they got an extra two days. Period. That's just, I mean... That's ridiculous thinking. Uh, what did, they ended up getting one guy. Big deal. And the Raiders, so what? They have to wait an extra day? I, 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 I'm not buying into that. It's just an excuse. And now Cleveland's going to be on a short week as it is anyway because they play Saturday. Some props at play on that last play. Yeah. Uh, Nick Chubb to score the first touchdown of the game. Well, he didn't get that one because the Raiders scored. The first touchdown. Uh, Nick Chubb to score and Browns to win, plus 135. Well, Nick Chubb just scored. Are they going to win? Cleveland? I, I, I don't. It's Derek, Carr, Derek Carr got injured, but I think he's he was up and he was sort of shaking it off. I think he's coming in, but uh, Cleveland's playing with a little bit more confidence in this half. They come out, their defense looked good, and now they got on the board. So considering on how the Raiders have finished games, uh, I would jump on that prop if it's plus money for the Browns to win. Well, that was before the game. Well, that was before the yeah, game. Yeah, it was before the game. I thought you just said the prop on this play, meaning I thought you meant I thought you were saying on this last play. No. Oh, oh, oh props oh. before the game. So I, I want to know what the end game is for for the Browns right now. That's what I want to know. Uh, plus one seventy to win. The Browns are plus one seventy to win. Yeah. I can carry this segment if you want to go ahead and put that put that wager. Well, I won't. You don't have to carry anything. We don't do segments, and <laughs> um, I, I can I can bet and speak. But no, I, I I told you I had the Browns already. I got them plus one. I got them minus three. So I'll stick with it. Now you can get plus one seventy. Number two. Damn man, all this NFL, this good stuff yesterday, all this news to talk about, and, and uh, Willie is all about what's going to happen after the season on Black Monday. The names on the list. These guys, according to one blog, could be going bye-bye. Matt Nagy, David Culley, Joe Judge, Matt Rule in year number two, Culley in year number one, Joe Judge in year number two. Who, who, who's at the top of your list out of this four that, that I sent this article over? Well, I think I think Nagy's the obvious one who's who's going. I mean, it was rumored weeks and weeks and weeks ago. At, I asked you. I'm so, not asking you to predict. I'm asking you who's at the if you were to If you were in control, who's the first of that four? I know who mine probably would be. Joe Judge. He's in over his head. I think so. And no one would agree with me except a couple of people we know that um, Nagy was put in a position where he's supposed to be helping transition to this new quarterback. So, But he does have to get more aggressive, uh, more defined in his moves. He has not always appeared to be the most rock-solid decision maker. Right, but can he be if he if he's getting used to a new quarterback how aggressive can you be until you understand what the nuances of what your quarterback can do that too and 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 as for Cully and, and the Texans was he throwing a fair situation with I mean I, I don't know 
I assumed he'd have the job for at least two or three years and not, not just be, you know, tank guy. You get one year and you're the tank guy? For me, I have to wonder about, you know, the situation in Carolina. And I, I can't remember the name. You'll know off the bat. Who, who is the, the the media member in Carolina that it was on with Adam and I? Yeah, you know, because you set it up. And, and he's a frequent guest, you said, from down in Carolina. He was great. He was a great guest before the season. Adam and I did the show, I think, from the Summer League. And we had him on. It was during preseason football uh, coverage. And we were previewing. And when we did Carolina that day, we had a Carolina member on. And we talked about him and how he was trying to get in with the the players and sort of build that chemistry within. And he, said, he had said, whoever it was we were talking to, it was, a, it was somewhat of a, a make-or-break season for him and how he was going to establish his presence and his identity with the team and sort of rebuild that bond. In the case of Nagy, he's going to be fired probably with a round of 500 mark for his four years in Chicago. Did go 12 and four the first year, eight and eight next to this year. Looks like it's going to be more like a you know a four, five, six win season. Now Nagy's name has come up throughout this season in terms of get rid of him now, get rid of him. If if the Vikings come in and embarrass him tonight, embarrass the Bears on their field, is he gone? I guess he could go. Are we talk tomorrow? I don't, I don't really see the purpose of it, but I guess he could go. Are you into getting rid of guys with two, three games left? No, I just was asking. But the Browns. Number one. The Browns got. I couldn't see who it was, but someone's getting carted out. No, you never want to see that. That's just terrible. But anyway. Uh, yesterday was a crazy day. A lot of favorites fell. A lot of teams in good positions with easy games. Not that the Titans-Steelers was an easy game. But the Steelers are reeling going into the game. The Titans get out to a lead, and they freaking blow it. I was shocked by that one because I like the Titans, and there were a lot of people that were against the Titans for the simple fact of their schedule strength and that they weren't sold on the Titans, and they felt that this was a game the Steelers would sort of come out with a little bit of pride after that Vikings loss, the way that they came back. Um, and I was really disappointed because I thought I was going to be a told-you-so guy. And then the Titans ended up proving a lot of people right. Well, we'll get to the other shocker of the day. The Bucks fall, and they fall hard. They get freaking shut out. And now they've got a bunch of guys who are injured, and really important player is out for the rest of the season. Three minutes left in the third quarter. The Raiders leading the Browns 10-7 as uh, Las Vegas approaches midfield. It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. Men, I don't think I wrote that many words on the bar exam. <laughs> Most recently, he said, I'm not interested in having some sort of quick flash. I'm not interested in shortcuts. I'm not interested in quick fixes. I want to do this the right way. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Dude, you've been there 29 games. What are you talking about, quick fixes? Hey. Amy Trask on the way back there, hammering Joe Judge. Amy, of course, former brass with the Raiders. 
Boy, this is a war of attrition. Raiders just kick a 40-yard field goal. Meanwhile, Miles Garrett on the Brown side. Looked like he's got a uh, dead wing there. Looked like his right arm was in massive pain as he's walking off the field. So Raiders 13-7. We were just talking about Black Monday because, you know, Willie's in that kind of mood. Um, and we were talking about coaches potentially going bye-bye in the NFL, and there was a list saying these four look like they could go. Rule, Cully, Matt Nagy, and Joe Judge. And Amy was just ripping into Joe Judge for stupid long speeches and all this, you know, we're not going to take shortcuts. <laughs> You're 30 games in, bro. Let's go. Like, got to have some dividends out of this thing. And they just haven't. So we'll see how ugly it is in a couple of weeks. And Daniel Jones has been shut down. And now Daniel Jones has been shut down, which I guess could be an excuse for, you know, Joe Judge and, hey, you know, I didn't have my quarterback around. There's just there's too many bad signs with the Giants. Way too many. It's very ugly out there. It's, uh, it's uh, New York football is very ugly, yes. Every every year they're, uh, they're basically, it looks like they're locked in. Might want to start betting the season unders because for that team to cross – Check that. Those teams to cross the eight-win threshold now seems like an impossibility. Combined. What's their record combined? What's their wins combined? Let me look here real quick for you. Four wins for the Giants, three wins for the Jets, seven wins total. They can't even get over eight together. It's ugly, man. It's totally ugly. Browns-Raiders game so far, pretty ugly as well. But Browns did get it going, and unfortunately for the Raiders, they only got a field goal there. So my fear here is one more Nick Chubb breakout run, and all of a sudden Raiders are staring up at a deficit. You have the Browns minus one and a half and plus three and a half, or the other way around? Uh, Browns minus three, Browns plus one. I didn't bet the plus three and a half. I wouldn't worry about my betting. I, I, I'm more worried about your betting than the game itself. Well, thanks, a, man. I appreciate that. As an objection, as an objective. Uh, how about journalist. how about this one? I wish I had bet the Saints yesterday. That was kind of easy. <laughs> a little bit. Shut out. And now Godwin's down for the year. Fournette's dinged up. Ari was. I don't know if he's blowing off steam or what. We, everyone's grumpy on the show today, except me and Koken. Uh, Ari was saying. The, the Bucks are done. They ain't making the Super Bowl. Mateo's in a good mood. He's giving the store away. What's you're, watch, you're watching your prize a lot, Mateo? Are you worried? No. <laughs> I just it – was, it was funny because the guys come over to say hi like three, four times, and then he pointed at the envelope. Mateo opened it up, and then he just started – Mateo handed him tickets. Let's do it. But then he, pointed to, then he pointed to more stuff. And then he pointed to more stuff. It's like I limit it to one per – Oh, wow. Per, per, but We got plenty of prizes. Sure. Come on down. Get down here. We got plenty of stuff. T-shirts, tickets. You'll have to be nice to Willie because he's feeling naughty. But honestly, if you walk into Twin Peaks and you don't feel nice with their uh, lingerie week, then I don't know what your problem is. You immediately get in a nice mood. I did. Yeah. I mean, I was already in a good mood to begin with because I got most of my Christmas shopping done. So, And you got your Santa hat on. I do have my Santa hat on. I have a lot of Santa hats I'm going to be ripping out this week. Cofield Claus. Yeah. I'm growing out the beard too. I might have to go with a Santa beard later in the week. Will you be Will you be in a good mood on Wednesday for Festivus? I love Festivus. Yes, even if I'm 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 not usually the brunt of the attack, but I may be this time around. I feel like Adam Hill not being on the show as much is going to save him from the audience. 
What if what if I have a festivist? What if I have a grievance for you? You, you, can, you heard Adam Candy ripping the hell out of me last year, I think that was. I might have to come up with one. Oh, you'll come up. Believe me. I might have to come up I'm with sure, one for I'm sure already. you have a few. 473-0050. We actually have a Festivus line set up. We're going to do the live calls on Wednesday in the middle of the show, but we actually have a Festivus line set up. So if you get nervous on the air, you know, you don't want to call in, you're not going to be around during the show on Wednesday, just call in, man. Keep it to like a minute because uh, Ari's not going to cut down, you know, five-minute calls, but keep it to a minute. And the best calls get on. It's our Festivus hotline. We're doing Festivus on Wednesday, 473-0050. The Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson. Nova Home Loans presents The Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Christmas toys all over the place. Little Paul wears a funny smile upon his face. For Paul has a secret, doesn't know just what to do. So if you listen carefully, he might tell it to you. Oh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Your guy, Uncle Paul. Interesting open, a little different version, right? He's at, he's, he does his own thing. He Brilliant. Does it, he does it his way. Brilliant. 364-1100, We're so giving. Caller number seven right now. Um, Golden Knights-Ducks game. Let's go. Two tickets. Golden Knights-Ducks game. 364-1100, Battle of the top teams of the Pacific Division. Isn't that weird? Doesn't that sound odd? One, that the Knights storm all, all the way back to get to the top of the division, but also that the Ducks are good this year. Yeah. It's very strange. Uh, we're going to talk to John Von Tobel uh, inside of about eh, six minutes. We'll go over what happened yesterday in the world of sports gambling. Also get into the NBA a little bit. Start looking ahead at the NBA, uh, NFL with some of these crazy lines coming up. Twin Peaks here on a Monday. We got the Vikes now seven flat. Seven. There's a couple of 105s out there. Seven Vikings favored Bears. The total is 47. Von Tobel on the way. This Wednesday is your day to air your grievances. It's your favorite show of the year on Cofield and Company. Festivus. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. With John Von Tobel. Von Tobel. Monday, Twin Peaks. We got the second Monday night football game on the way. And John Von Tobel checks in with us as he does every single week on uh, Monday. So we'll get to a little NBA in a couple minutes. But, John, first of all, let's go back and look at a really wacky day uh, in the NFL. Man, I was uh, as I was looking at the uh, the board yesterday at the Westgate, I was looking at all those double-digit dogs. And I love double-digit dogs. But it's it's hard to bet in on teams that have bad reps, have bad records. But if you had bet into some of those numbers yesterday, you made out. Yeah, it, look, I think the top of the list for me has been the Lions, right? You know, I've bet on the Lions frequently throughout the season, not as much uh, as I probably should. But with that cover yesterday and the win outright, they're 9-5 and five against the spread on the season. They are tied with four other teams for the second-best cover rate in the league at 64.3%. And this is just, to me, it's just – I talk about this all the time, whether it's on VEASAN. I know I brought it up to you guys a lot. But, and, you know, you want to call it contrarian, whatever it is. But these teams aren't as bad – 
as you think that they are, right? There's not a lot between a difference between Team A or Team B in the National Football League, and the game itself lends itself to randomness, right? All these other sports, you're talking about basketball, you get 100 possessions. Baseball, at the very least, right, when you're talking about the span of a game, you're talking about nine innings and, at the very least, right, three guys in each, and you can extend those innings. Hockey, you know, multiple possessions or hundreds of possessions potentially, depending on how quick that game goes. So there is randomness in football because it's a finite amount of possessions. So you're going to get some of these random outcomes. But at the end of the day, like when you talk about a team like Detroit, if you talk to just random guy in the street, they're going to be like, worst team in the NFL, but against them. Well, that's not, not the case. And these numbers are so wildly inflated because of that. But the Lions are at the top of that list, getting that win outright. And then you just get, and like, for example, the Dolphins, right? If you look at what the Dolphins have done offensively coming into this game on this win streak when they were winning five in a row, their offense has been awful. They have been below average in almost every category, but they've been getting it done, which they deserve credit for. But then you get to a point where they reach their market high and they close as a nine and a half, 10 point favorite over your New York Jets. And they need a late touchdown to end up winning that game and they don't cover. So it's just looking at some of these teams, Steve, and realizing that, you know, you could buy, you could sell higher, excuse me, a buy low on some of these teams, but also that the market just gets way too high on a couple of others when they're on a hot streak like the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I, I can't believe how much COVID is going to affect things uh, down the stretch, too, even though they changed some of the, yeah. the testing over the weekend. Um, I actually I rolled the dice on the Dolphins. They won the game. You know, obviously they didn't cover. I rolled the dice on the Dolphins last week at yes, make the playoffs at plus eight fifty. Because I was looking at the field, it's like they're right in the mix. Uh, now they're sitting at seven and seven. They've got some winnable games down the stretch. COVID potentially is going to throw such a wrench into what happens the rest of the way and especially futures. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I think that's, you know, you can take your shots with a team like the Miami Dolphins, with which was already a manageable schedule, as you mentioned, before COVID throws the wrench into everything. You have the team in front of them in the Buffalo Bills that, although they win against Carolina, has kind of hit the skids a little bit, right? Has not been as consistent uh, before. And you just get the AFC as a whole, which is an absolute mess uh, at this point right now, where you have a bunch of these teams floating around that 7-7 seven and seven range. So I, I think you're right. And we don't know how to predict COVID in any way whatsoever, I would say, right, look at some of these teams that have COVID outbreaks and who they just played and, right, maybe circle that in terms of looking ahead to what's going to potentially happen. Uh, you know, i.e. we're talking about the Browns and the Raiders. You're talking about, of course, uh, the Vikings and the Bears later today. Uh, the Bears, of course, having a lot of COVID issues in the teams that we're going to see tomorrow, too. So I think the Dolphins are a hot ticket to make it to the playoffs, just given where they're at and the schedule going forward. But I think you're right. It, it opens the door for already a bunch of randomness coming to the end of the year. Betting into sports news can be good, can be dangerous. Uh, yesterday, again, we were breaking down the games on Sunday morning, Candy and I, and we're both looking at the board and we're like, wait a second, Jacksonville is now six because they fired the coach? I, like I didn't, I didn't get it. They're both bad teams. Jacksonville wasn't playing good football coming in. All of a sudden, it's just this magic elixir that's going to fix their ills. Yeah, I, I, I was amazed by that. Like, and I, w- I ended up, I was on Houston yesterday too when I saw it get that high. And it's incredible. It's funny. Field Yates had a tweet yesterday at one point in the game, and it was like it was th- you know the three, it was three different games, and it was like you know the Lions are up by this amount over the Arizona Cardinals, and. Uh, the Texans are up like this amount over the Jacksonville Jaguars, like trying to talk about like just the wildness of the National Football League. Like, they're both two win teams. What are we doing here? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And, like, it, it's shocking. Maybe Jacksonville's just a bad team. I'm with you. Like I thought that was incredible to watch the market really get into information. And by the way, it's not even tangible information that really changes anything, right? Like we could talk about quarterbacks and guys getting out of the lineup because of COVID. I was on with you guys last week and the COVID issues that hit the Rams and the market adjusted a half point, went to that field goal for Arizona and the Rams still won that game out right. 
But this is just something where the market's like they have such a low perception of what Urban Meyer was as a head coach that they're like, hmm. he was holding them back by three and a half points. And like, that's just not the case. No, not at all. Uh, yesterday turns out to be another day where uh, I guess it's an analytics argument. I'm not sure that it really is, but man, the case is building up on the uh, the other side. We'll just say uh, those ignoramuses, and and I'm mostly pro analytics on this show. Cofield and Company. Everyone else, I don't know about Willie, but everyone else is hardcore. You know, on the side of analytics. What do you think of Harbaugh again going for two key situation? They wind up losing. That's two or three weeks. And uh, those people out there who want to push back on analytics, uh, they've got their case. Uh, no, they don't, because that wasn't <laughs> analytics yesterday. Like, this is the thing that drives me nuts. We're not even using the term correctly, right? The analytical approach is going for two when they score the first touchdown, right? That's the analytical approach. The whole down by two scores, going for two on the first touchdown, so that on the final touchdown when you score it, you can either kick the extra point to win the game, whatever it is, you know, whatever happens on a two-point conversion. That's the analytical approach. And after the game yesterday, Harbaugh even used the word that everybody loves so much, he used his gut to go for it because he just didn't think that his team, which had given up two double-digit play touchdown drives, right, to the Green Bay Packers in the second half, were going to be able to hold Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers had 43 seconds at a timeout to work with when they scored that touchdown. There was no guarantee that they were even going to overtime. So I think he just said, look, my defense is banged up. We are kind of lucky to be in this situation. Let's just go for two and try to win this game. It wasn't an analytical approach in any way whatsoever. So I think we need to get that right. And the other part of this is, too, and this is just a much bigger conversation to have, but it's this whole thing about now this big pushback about analytics and all the – how do you think these teams got to where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't hear about this when the Chargers were 4-1, and one, right? The Browns earlier this year – I was on the Browns in that Chargers game, Steve. The Browns were on the wrong end of a 478-0 trend because the Chargers played analytically sound football in that game and ended up winning it, right? This is – where these teams are because of this. Harbaugh is an incredible coach with a great record, with a Super Bowl title, and multiple appearances in an AFC Championship game, right? He got there because of the way he coaches these games. But we're freaking out because the coin flips that he, you know, for use an example, the coin flips are going on the wrong side here over the last few weeks, and everybody thinks, oh, this is wrong, and that's just not the case. Yep, and uh, you also have to build into the numbers that the bad teams actually skew it uh, you know, even worse the other way because uh, of execution. And a lot of it comes down to execution. So I know yesterday Carolina and the Jets and the Giants were combined two of nine on fourth downs. All right, quick hit on the uh, the NBA because I have no idea uh, what's happening in terms of betting and uh, dealing with COVID. John Von Tobel's with us. You can hear him every day on VSIN at 1 o'clock. All right, so how are you betting the NBA? How, like, how soon do you get the news? I know you put out a report every morning, but how are you playing into COVID? So it's really spiked these last, like this last week. So I've been kind of changing the approach uh, more recently, which has just been a little bit more tepid with the plays, right? Like I'm a lot of people like tend to shy away from pre-flop betting in the NBA because the volatile nature of the game, right? You can get so many opportunities in game uh, because of the way that the game is played. But I do like to, you know, go in game and I like to do a lot of that stuff. So I've been a little bit more uh, like hesitant to fire away early on. So I think that's the way I've been approaching it. And it's just sitting back, and once you get to tip, then you start going in-game, right? When you know that the rosters are set, when you know who's going to be available, you can then watch the game, follow it closely, and find opportunities while the game is going on. And I think that's the way you have to approach it as you move forward here. I think there's certain, you know, I, I bet two games today pre-flop, 
right? Because I feel confident in the information that these guys aren't going to pop up with COVID issues by the time we get to the game in a few hours. I could be burned because I have been right already in the last week. Uh, but I think that when you look at it overall, I think it just lends yourself to now paying attention to the games where they're being played and doing more in-game opportunities when you know that the rosters are set. I mean, you're right. If uh, you, know, you wait, what, a couple of seconds into a game, you're paying generally in-game an extra nickel. And the extra mm-hmm. nickel at 115 is probably worth it to make sure that you have all your players on a particular side. What's going on with uh, Golden State lately? So Golden State, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. So the Warriors are kind of in a little bit of a slump recently from a cover standpoint. They're 1-5 against the spread in their last six games. And you kind of see this at times, right? The teams reach their market high, especially in a season like the NBA, or there's ebbs and flows. Uh, but they're going through a little bit of a, a COVID hiatus or, or a COVID issue right now. Jordan Poole and, of course, Andrew Wiggins just gets added to COVID. So now you get those two on the sidelines. And it makes it pretty fascinating because the Warriors are super dependent offensively on Steph Curry. And those pieces around him, right? Those are two of their better offensive players now at this point. So what's going to happen, what I'm interested to see with Golden State here today and as we move forward without these guys on the floor, is what's this, what does this offense look like when Steph Curry's not going to be on the bench? And I think that opens some doors from an in-game standpoint like we're talking about here. You know, case in point, right, Steve Friday, they take on the Boston Celtics. They open about nearly a 20-point lead against Boston. And by the time the game ends, Boston's down by three with a chance to, right, to get back in that game and potentially cover and win. They end up losing by four. So I, I think this is going to be something to watch with Golden State as you move forward with Poole and Wiggins on the sideline, is that this is going to be a team that's going to be struggling offensively whenever Curry hits the bench. And for betters, I think it's a great chance while you're watching those games to get in-game on their opponent. Man, look ahead on the NFL. I mean, to play the market, the ups and downs of the market is, is pretty freaking uh, nuts right now. Uh, we just found out this morning that the Chargers – Look like they have a little outbreak here. Uh, They're laying upwards of 10. I wanted to concentrate on some other games, though. Uh, San Fran. Boy, the the Sharps love them. The Books love them. San Fran is three and a half at Tennessee. What do you think of that? I, so I think that it's this is a point now where I think you kind of want to play against San Francisco, potentially. It, it, look, you always keep in mind, too, you always want to watch these games. It, don't just look at the box score and just be like, oh, okay, they blew out the Falcons. The Falcons had four trips inside of the eight-yard line for San, against San Francisco this past weekend. They came away with three points. A better offense potentially takes advantage of those opportunities. And Russell Gage was mossing dudes left and right in that game, taking advantage of a really poor secondary. And so this is something where I think you look at that game, you realize, okay, they cover a pretty big number. But now we're starting to reach the point where maybe they're at a little bit of a market high here. And Tennessee has not been playing that well. They're super banged up. They were terrible against Pittsburgh this last week. But for me as an NFL better, this is what I'm looking for. At points where the market gets too high on one team and you can come back and have a really good opportunity. Think about it. Tennessee was just laying points on the road in Pittsburgh. Now, eventually they closed as a one-point underdog, but they were, they were a road favorite a majority of the week. Now, all of a sudden, they're catching three and a half at home. Like From where Tennessee was from a power rating perspective by the market to where they're at now, it's a really wide variance. So I think there's some value in playing against San Francisco here this coming week. Have we given – no, I was just going to say, I don't think it's going to be moving in the other direction because, like you said, there is a lot of market support for San Francisco, so you should be able to get that three or three and a half. Bears-Vikings coming up, Monday Night Football. John Von Tobel's with us, getting us uh, ready for this coming week. We still have uh, this game tonight, two more games tomorrow, and then we're back on the field uh, this weekend. Too much here on the Colts in terms of credit. Uh, Arizona with a bad look, losing for the first time on the road against uh, you know, the hapless Lions, although they're an ATS-covering machine. Indies plus one. Yeah, and the look-ahead line was five. So you talk about a, like an adjustment from the results of this past weekend. Wow. That is quite the adjustment. Uh, but I, I think, look, I think from a matchup perspective, this benefits Indianapolis quite a bit. right? You're indoors uh, either way, the, the way that they play. It's, it's not going to matter. 
But when you talk about what the weaknesses of the Arizona Cardinals have been, Steve, this is a very below average run defense. If you look at it from a DVOA standpoint, I think they're 19th. That hasn't been updated through this last week, so we'll see what they fall to after this past weekend against Detroit. But this has been a soft front seven. And this has been one of their issues defensively is that they cannot stop the run adequately. And now you get an offensive line that's allowing Jonathan Taylor to average nearly four yards before contact this season, right? So this is going to be one of those games where I think from a matchup perspective, this works really well in the favor of Indianapolis. But as we kind of talk about here, when you talk about where you're at from a market standpoint, this Colts team has won eight out of 11 games and is now at a peak in terms of its market price. So home field advantage isn't really worth that much. So you as a better have to decide is there really only one point between Arizona and Indianapolis at this point? Do you think the Colts are actually a better team than the, the Arizona Cardinals at this point? Because if you do, then there's still value in that kind of a line. But I think they match up extremely well with Arizona. How freaked out do we get about Tampa Bay, the injuries, the shutout? Still 11.5 at Carolina. I, I think you freak out about the injuries, not so much the result, right? Like Leonard Fournette, uh, we know that Chris Godwin, of course, is going to be out for a little bit of time because he's got an MCL sprain, so that's good. He's going to be back for the postseason, but he's going to be out for a limited amount of time. And then Mike Evans. So I think that's what you worry about. And look, for Tampa Bay, injuries have been the story for them all year long. At the beginning of the year, it was the secondary. Now, at this point, it's their skill positions that are getting beat up. So I think overall, like if you came into the season thinking that the Bucs were going to be the best team in the NFC, you don't punt just yet because injuries are the things that are holding them back. But I'll say this. I am so low on Carolina. That And we could talk about Cam Newton all we want in the quarterback situation. You know what doesn't help? When your offensive line is the worst in the National Football League, and that's what they are. And now you get a front seven like this that is going to be able to rush the passer and come after you and make life a living hell no matter who's behind this, uh, or under center. I think that if you're looking at Tampa Bay, they've been poor on the road, but it's a game that's pretty easy to scratch off because there's so many situations for both teams that are negative. I am completely fascinated by the books take and the betting markets take on Philadelphia, and I know they have a game yeah. tomorrow. It's going to be on a short week. Uh, right now, the look ahead, Philly and the Giants, and I know the Giants were dreck yesterday. Philly's 10 against the Giants. I Look, so the Eagles are a team that I'm kind of in on like in terms of, all right, we're, we've reached the point where the pendulum swung a little too far, right? Like this is a solid team. <laughs> They have done a pretty good job. And and to be fair, too, right, the Eagles are in a stretch where they've covered three out of four games. And if you go back all the way to that game against Carolina, uh, we're talking about now six out of nine that they have covered. So they have been, in terms of results, delivering. But now, again, you're reaching a point to, like, how far have we really come? Because if you look at this, you had that game against the New York Giants where the offense looked absolutely abhorrent, right? Their passing attack has been ick uh, throughout this entire season. And I think that when you look at Philadelphia, now you're at a point where they have been delivering left and right, but their market rating is a little bit too high now at this point. We're talking about divisional games here. You talk about opponents that you're familiar with. It just seems like it's a lot for a team that is still middle of the pack and still scuffling along in terms of making the postseason. Last one. Again, I think a bit of an overreaction, and you got two teams that aren't great. Uh, and we're going to get a better idea of – well, we're not going to get a better idea. We're going to get to watch the Bears tonight. It doesn't change what happens yeah. next week in terms of – that's the whole point is stay freaking even keel. Uh, Bears are seven. Check that. They're getting seven at Seattle. Yeah, dude. Like it, I, So I think part of this is the COVID issues that the Bears are going through too, right? It baked into that, and maybe that adjusts after what we see to, tonight. And then, of course, uh, who is going to be available for the next week. But I'm with you. Like, what have you seen from the Seattle Seahawks that makes you think that they should be laying a touchdown to almost anybody, right? There's off-the-field issues with that team. There's on-the-field issues with that team with how poor they have been both offensively and defensively. And again, going back to kind of the main point here in the National Football League, these teams are not as bad as you think that they are, right? So this is one where you're talking about a potential low-scoring game and you're laying a touchdown between those two. Again, there's just, to me, there's value in an underdog here, and there's been value in underdogs all season long in the NFL. 
Uh, let's close on uh, the bowl games this week. Have you been playing any bowl games this last weekend? Uh, you know, I took the advice of uh, Brad Powers, who you know says, "Hey, again, there's there's a lot of variance. There's a lot of variance in these bowl games, and now with opt outs, uh, you know, and you're dealing with motivation. Always sprinkle some money on the manageable dogs. And actually, it was a very profitable weekend. Outright, straight up victories for some of the dogs. You looking at anything this week at all as we get back to bowl action today? Uh, not this week, but I do have a pretty. Uh, I got a pretty nice middle set up on Western Michigan and Nevada. Uh, I bet Western Michigan plus five when the news started to trickle out that Jay Norvell was leaving, and the rumors were out there that Carson Strong was going to be out of here. And uh, sure enough, that all came to fruition, and uh, Nevada is now a seven-point underdog. So I've got plus five on Western Michigan and Nevada plus seven uh, that I'm wow. sitting on for that bowl game. So hey, look, it, it's all information based, you know. And I'm with you. Like you talk about the underdogs. Uh, you know, bet against Fresno State over the weekend, and that was a closely contested game that ultimately Fresno State didn't cover too, and that was also based on information, right? Head coach leaves, maybe uh, you're going to lose your quarterback, maybe not. He ends up playing, but regardless, bowl season for me, it's it's a weird spot because you know me, I'm so analytically driven and all my statistics and numbers, but in reality, bowl season is all about information and looking for maybe some of the spots where the market hasn't caught up with some of that info. So some of my plays so far have just been informationally based at this point. I think we're looking at six and two dogs against the spread so far yeah. in college football. How'd you do yesterday in the contest in the uh, super contest? Four and one, so I'm making a push for the money. Yeah, I am. Uh, nice. I think, what, I think what am I? 44, 44, 29 and one. Yeah, I think that's uh, right. where I'm at right now. So uh, I'm one and a half points out of the money right now. So uh, last three weeks, got to make a pretty good push. See if I can cash yet again. We uh, we should close out by shouting out the Westgate. Uh, you and I were uh, walking into the Westgate on Saturday, and they had a, uh, a celebration of life. Uh, Westgate hosted it, and uh, folks at Lotus Broadcasting put it together for uh, ballpark Frank Harnish. And uh, I know you thought it was cool. I thought it was cool, and I thought the speeches by Magnum and uh, Ryan the Hockey Guy were awesome. And it's one of those moments like you and I were friendly with Frank, but I don't know that we were tight with Frank and to hear some of the stories and kind of the same themes repeated over and over again about what a good guy he was, was I thought that was really cool on Saturday. Yeah, I, I thought it was tremendous. And, you know, I haven't been on the air with you guys recently, so, you know, I haven't been able to say my piece, but Frank was a great guy. I got to share an office with him. He was extremely friendly, got along with him immediately when he's out there. And even in my interactions with him, you realized how good of a guy he was. You know, you've heard, I know I'm sure, plenty about his donations in terms of blood and how great he has been with that. But I was really sad to hear the news that, that Frank was gone. And I think it was awesome to hear those stories. And there was a great moment. We were there. They were playing a slideshow. And I didn't know that Frank was on, like, that fashion, like, makeover, whatever yep. it was. But yep. but to see Frank, you know, get all dressed up and to see him smiling and all that stuff, like it, it was a really cool moment. And I know Frank's going to be missed, and, and I'm going to miss him, too. And it, it, it's just it's a really sad loss to hear that he's gone. And again, thanks to the Westgate for uh, hosting it. It was really fantastic. The uh, celebration of life for ballpark Frank Harnish on Saturday. All right, John, we'll check in with you next Monday. I hope you win this week and uh, come up with some good picks for the Super Contest. That's excited to, uh, I'm excited to hear that you're doing so well. Thanks, man. Thanks. John Von Tobel, right here on Cofield and Company. Bears, Vikings coming up. Line holding steady, Vikings minus seven. We've got high drama. Didn't want to cut in to ruin the vibe for conversation there. But uh, while we were talking about ballpark Frank, Raiders throw an interception. Three and out on the Brown side. Raiders have the ball back 
29-yard line, no timeouts, 150 left in the game. Need a field goal. It's 14-13. You got a top-10 quarterback in Derek Carr and a well-compensated kicker. Field goal to win this game. Got to get this done against a beat-to-hell Browns team. Got to get it done. Carlson, three career game-winning field goals in the fourth quarter or overtime the last time, Week 12 against Dallas. Punt, fumble, field goal, punt, interception. Those are the five possessions that the Raiders have had in the second half. They're winding the clock. Completion to Foster Moreau. 133, clock is winding, and the Raiders are driving. What's your pick on the Vikings and Bears? Uh, I think the Vikings are going to eke it out. I think that they uh, they learned their lesson of going up 29 nothing and then almost blowing it to Pittsburgh. I don't, I, they're going into Chicago, which is a tough place to play, but I, I think it's a big test for Justin Fields, and I think he's going to ball out and sort of prove himself here. But I don't think that the Bears have enough to beat the Vikings, which are still contending for a playoff spot. If you want to hear live play-by-play of the game, it's on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It's on our sister station, 92.3 as well. Post game's coming up with JT the Brick and Eric Allen. The clock rolls down under 40 seconds now. Raiders just past midfield. Right now it would be about a 64-yard field goal. They don't want that. We'll see if they get a big completion here as... Big completion to Zay Jones down to the Cleveland 30 with 29 seconds left in the game. Flag on the play. If you want to hear live play-by-play, it's on Raider Nation Radio 920 or 92.3. Get in the car and listen to the radio (laughs) and drive down to Twin Peaks because I got plenty of prizes, tickets, all sorts of goodies down here at Twin Peaks. There's all sorts of goodies already here. Raiders just got the ball, as Willie said, inside the 30-yard line, holding, yeah. holding on the play. So now they're really up against it. they got to go some 25, 30 yards to get into the field goal position. 29 seconds left, and they are inside their own 45-yard line. My Lord. <laughs> High drama. High drama. And, again, we got the second game here. I would get out of bounds if I were Foster Moreau, and he did get out of bounds. So. 22 seconds left inside the 50. We are out of here. Come join Willie. Twin Peaks on Eastern in Henderson. He's got a ton of prizes, including UNLV tickets and Las Vegas Bowl tickets. We out.